0: We're so thankful for each and every one of you guys that are here today. We're going to be starting our new series entitled uh, Difference Makers today, and and particularly the Difference Maker that is the presence of God in our life. Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 through 15 says this, And God says, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then He said to him, If your presence does not go with us, Do not bring us up from here. Holy Spirit, I ask for your help this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Amen. The presence of God, a location where the Lord God is present. We use and refer to the presence of God interchangeably with certain terms like the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the presence of God, the person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Sometimes we refer to it as the tangible touch from God. There is this logical fallacy that exists in understanding or learning. Attorneys will speak of this often when determining real or just causes in determining whether a person has a case or not. It's called a distinction without a difference. A distinction without a difference is a type of logical fallacy where an author or speaker attempts to describe a distinction between two things where no discernible difference Exists? Do you realize this morning that you cannot separate the presence of God from the person of God? So a lot of people will try in, in, the, in the Christian or church world community and say, I love God the Father, I love God the Son, but I'm not sure I love God, what's his name? And what they're trying to do is they're trying to make this illogical fallacy of saying that you can separate the person of God from the presence of God. You cannot do it. Look to your neighbor and say, you can't do it. You can't do it. They will will try to take the form of godliness but deny the power. Or in other words, they will try to take the alimony without the marriage. They'll give God weekend visitations. Many try to do that. They want his benefits without his relationship. And really, you can't have his protection without his possession. They will say, God, give us the Holy Spirit, but would you do it without the conviction? God, give us the Holy Spirit, but make it comfortable. Or God, give us the Holy Spirit, but with whole prophecy, tongues, or passion from anything that we do. They'll say, God, give us the Holy Spirit, but make sure that my Christianity is still convenient. It is, a, again, a logical fallacy to think that you can have God without his presence. If I were to have $10 in my pocket and I were to describe $10 and then I were to pull out 10 $1 bills, there would be people in this room that would say, you were describing a $10 bill, you were wrong. But how many know there's a distinction without a difference there, correct? If I had 10 $1 bills versus one $10 bill, the substance of the the thing that I possess is still the thing that I possess. And there's a lot of people that want to have, they want to have church and they want to have God on their terms. It would almost be like me going to the to the the Holy Spirit counter so to speak and me talking to a pastor or somebody behind the counter and me saying hey I'll take a, a large cup of really hot Holy Spirit but I want you just to listen to me because you got to get my order correctly you have to give me two shots of the joy that are found in the presence a shot of the wisdom but you got to withhold the purification and you got to withhold the conviction There are a lot of people that expect the church to try to delude the Holy Spirit to give them what they want. Look to your neighbor and say, you can't do it. Can't do it. If if the Holy Spirit were, as as one of my mentors would say, as he would order from Starbucks, uh, give me seven pumps of the squishy sugar. I'm not sure exactly what that actually means, but give me seven pumps of the squishy sugar. If he would say the squishy sugar... The church has the Holy Spirit or the person of God or the tangible presence of God. And it, it is like that pump of sugar. Once you put it into the body of Christ, you can't separate itself from what it is. It's not just going to bring you joy and peace and rest. It's also going to bring you conviction. some sometimes in your life, it's going to make you have a godly discontent about what you're living. And so a lot of people want to come to church and they want to, they want to part with... Or they want to separate the person of the Holy Spirit with the presence of God. Lord, I want your benefits, but I don't really, I don't really want your, your conviction on my life. And you can't do it. You cannot have a distinction without the difference with the Trinity or the Godhead. And I would ask you this. Why would you want that? When you have him, you have everything that you need. My, my friend Donnie Moore would say, why are you running from God? Because when he catches you, he's just going to love you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. His presence in our life is a difference maker. In his presence, you'll find rest, joy, peace, liberty, and freedom. But more important than the benefits that you'll find in his presence is you'll find him. Again, you cannot separate the person of God from the presence of God. Those of you that are new to the faith, when you were just in experience this incredible, passionate worship, That happens when the body of Christ exalts the name of Jesus. His presence is in us. It's around us. The Bible says in him we live and we have our being. In him we move. So when this presence comes down in this room, you cannot separate the presence of God from the person of God. So let me tell you what just happened in this room and what is happening in this room. He's here. He's here. The the, the God that, that spoke to Jesus and gave him all authority, he's here. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, he's here. The same power that, that, that caused uh, disciples to walk in authority that was from another world is here. The same power that was at Pentecost is here. Why would you want to separate the person of God from his presence when if you will seek after his presence, you will have him? The presence of God is evident in the life of his sons and daughters from the beginning of day one. Adam and Eve had an appointment with him in the cool of the day. The enemy came in there, in, when there was a distance or space from God's presence. You guys know the story. The absence of God, God's presence in our lives, gives space for the presence of things that fill the void that only God can fill. The reason why you need to have a personal relationship with a person of the Holy Spirit or the presence of God is because when I have an absence of that presence, the enemy is allowed to come in and fill the void that only God can fill. Let me give you a couple detailed instructions about through the scripture what the Bible says about the presence of God when referring to God. The presence in the English versions most often represents the Hebrew word which describes the face of God. In a biblical sense, when we say the presence of God, what we are saying is, is we can actually have a quorum Deo experience with God, or we can come face to face with him. Is that an incredible opportunity that we have every Sunday morning, every Monday morning, every moment of the day? So in other words, the implication of being before him or in front of him is this. When I am in his presence, his eyes are upon me. When I'm in his presence, his ears are open to my requests. When I am in his presence, his mouth is ready to speak to me and I can begin to have a relationship. When my sons come in my house after we're at work and school for the day and we have those moments of connection and we are face to face and we begin to commune with each other, there is a relationship that begins to birth. What an incredible thing to understand that we can have a personal relationship with a person of the Holy Spirit or the presence of God or the tangible touch from God, which is there's no separation from the presence of God and God himself. So when the, when the presence of God is, is active and alive, I, I have the opportunity of being married to a worship leader who literally with her life practices the presence of God. She usually wakes up and, and she uh, is up before me, it's the youth pastor in me. I like, I like a good, good sleep, good sleeping in. How many sleeping in people do we have in the room? How many early risers do we have in the room? I don't like you at all. You make me, you make me look bad. My wife usually rises before us at, you know, 545, 6 a.m. And she'll, uh, I, I get to wake up with a house filled with the presence of God. Worship music playing in the background. She's singing. There is nothing like the presence of God in our homes. to be able to practice that. But what you have to understand this morning is your view on God and his availability and desire to be with you will shape every relationship, decision, and moment of your life. Your worldview will shape your destiny. I read an article that's in reference in my notes. If you guys would like them, you can go to the website under the notes section and find them. But this article uh, wrote and, and, and quoted David Nobel. Here's what he says. A worldview is the framework from from which we view reality and make sense of life and the world. It's an ideology, it's a philosophy, it's a theology, it's a movement or religion that provides an overarching approach to understanding God, the world, and man's relationship to God and the world. We recognize that atheists and and agnostics, they still have a worldview. Theirs is just void of God. You have a worldview. look at your neighbor and say, you have a worldview you may not have it defined. It may not be put in a, in a box for you to actually explain to somebody. But there is a set of rules or guidelines that you are living your life by today. There are, there are rules that you have made for yourself. And oftentimes it's easier, listen to me, it's easier to change how we behave than it is it's easier for us to change how we believe. And so what a lot of us do, we don't, we don't, We don't stay convicted on our beliefs. We just change our behaviors, and then we go through life. But the point is, is you have a worldview. Hosea 4 and 6 gives the people of God a warning. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of God, I will also forget your children. There was a space and time where the people of God were actually running from the knowledge or his ways or his precepts. And he was saying that you have rejected me and because you have rejected my knowledge or the biblical worldview that I want you to have, you are going to be ruined. So the destroyer of God's people isn't what they know, it's what they don't know. And what you have to understand is the biggest difference maker in a believer's life is their their companionship and partnership with the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the tangible touch from God, because when you have the tangible touch of God in your life, you are actually communing with the person of God, because the person of God cannot be separated from the presence of God. First Peter 2 and 9 says this, but you are a cho- chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into into his wonderful life. Or you are a part, ready for this one, of the set-apart ones. You, as the priesthood of God, have at your access the ability to spend time with the presence of God or the person of God or the Holy Spirit, or if you want to go King James Version, the Holy Ghost. You have the ability as a believer through the price that Jesus paid to actually spend time in the presence of God. The the God who in Genesis created the heavens and the earth, he is flinging stars in the sky. That God wants to spend time with you. What an incredible opportunity that is. But there are people, there are people that say, I understand the concept of God the Father and I'm thankful for God the Son. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, is he gonna make me do things that I don't want to do? And you're looking at the end of a relationship when really you should be looking at the person of Jesus and the, and the person of our Heavenly Father. Because you cannot separate, listen to me, you cannot separate the presence of God from the person of God. Why would you wanna do that? Why would you wanna, why would you want to, as, as scripture begins to teach us, and we're gonna talk about this in a few moments. Why would you want to separate the presence of God from the person of God? Because the moment you start separating the presence of God from the, from the person of God, you do not desire a relationship. You begin to desire a religion. God, give me the form... Let me me be able to check the box on my Christian walk, but I don't really want the relationship. And we understand in church, I understand, this pastor understands in my personal walk the reasons why sometimes I want to do that. Because you know when you talk to someone who is always right? Or the person who thinks they know they're always right? But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you know he's always right. And it's like sometimes with the Holy Spirit you just want to go, just chill out. I know what I'm doing is not honoring, but just chill out, like la, 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 la. And what we do is, Holy Spirit, I will take two pumps of joy today. If you will cause my children that are screaming in the house to, I don't know, be muted for 10 minutes of their life every day so I can get some rest, that would be great. And you go to God like you're ordering coffee, and you say, God, I want your benefits, but you got to withhold your conviction from me. you got to withhold those words of correction from me. And the truth is, it is the proof of love in the Holy Spirit that he is actually chastening you or disciplining you. If you're not feeling the discipline of the Holy Spirit in your personal life, it's because you're, 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 you're so abandoned or apart from a relationship, and you've got to get close. So we recognize that everyone this morning has a set of beliefs. Religion, this is interesting to note, defined in the dictionary, is this. A set of beliefs concerning the cause, the nature, and the purpose of the universe, especially when considered as the creation of a superhuman agency or agencies, usually involving devotional or ritual observances, are often containing a moral code. Or in other words, as my dad would say growing up, everyone has a philosophy of religion. It's the reason why in our wonderful town we can have 50 different denominations represented. And a lot of them are wonderful churches. Because why? We look, in, we look in the scripture and every one of us has a philosophy of a religion. But right now what we have happening in American culture is many people wanting to come to church and they base their church attendance on who's at the community watering hole. Like how influential can I get if I go to that church? Or, or, or what kind of connections or influence can I have? Or, or is there people that I connect with? And if you're picking your church... Based upon community before God, you've made community an idol over God. But you have to base the church or the local body that you attend on, or are they going after the presence and heart of God? Because if you have the presence and heart of God, you will have the person of God in your midst. But oftentimes churches reject that. Why do we reject it? Because the moment that the Holy Spirit is allowed to come into the room, before you get to the prophecy and the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and the spiritual gifts found in Ephesians before you get there the holy spirit does something even more scarier to people he asks them for a relationship he says you know that you know that idol that you have in your life you know that pornography that you're dealing with you know that that gossip that you know that slander you know that Do you know that that complaining spirit that you have? Do you know that immaturity that you're walking in? Do you know that that thing that you're doing that God is not pleased of? I want that. And the Holy Spirit, when he's allowed in our life, there is nothing that's off limits to him. At any time, at any place, when he comes and I commune with him, the person of God, he begins as as a person of relationship. He's patient, he's kind, he's loving. He gives me peace and he gives me joy. But oftentimes the peace that I so desire in my life comes in the absence of a decision or action that I am doing. And so he says, if you want peace in your life, you've got to give me that. If you want wholeness, if you want a marriage that's going to last, you're going to have to give me that. If you're going to want to be whole, you've got to give me that drug." If, 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 you, if you want to have right priority in your life, sir, you might have to give God control of your money. Every, as many people in this room, when the Holy Spirit and the presence of God comes into our life, as, as many things as is in people's lives, the Holy Spirit says, I want to be number one. I, 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 want, I want to have you as part of my life. So his precepts, Christians should know a couple things. We should know that everyone has a philosophy of religion. And if you don't believe that, go home and ask your neighbor after church and prepare yourself for what inevitably inevitably will come next, an uncomfortable long conversation on a worldview about what he actually or she actually believes. Let me give you some examples of religious beliefs. A two-year-old believes that he or she is the center of the world. That is a religious belief. A secular humanist believes that material world is all that exists. It's a religious belief. A Buddhist believes that he can be liberated from suffering by self-purification. Atheists and agnostics even have rules and beliefs outside of God. But Christians, if you're a Christian this morning, you should have what is known as a biblical worldview. Christians don't lean. We stand. We stand on the principles of God. His precepts, His ways, His principles guide us as our moral truth. They give us direction on how we should live. Again, the Bible tells us what to do, not the other way around. The Holy Spirit guides us. We don't guide the Holy Spirit. We believe as Christians in this concept that's called absolute truth. It's not my truth, and it's not your truth, but the truth found in God's Word that should direct our lives. That is an example of a biblical worldview. Let me give you an example of a biblical worldview of a family. Scripture teaches us, and there's more to come in this series on this, that the man is to be the head of the household not with a domineering dictator mindset, but one who is lovingly lays down his life as Christ did for the church. Men, this is not a wimpy love that God's called us to. It is a strong love. It is a strong love just as Christ laid down his life for the church. Us as men are to be leaders of the house. We are not just to be natural leaders of the house. We are to be spiritual leaders of our home. If my boys never saw their father lift a hand in church and have a tear stream down their eyes, am I leading my family? If I've never, if I've never led my boys to, to come to a church and say, hey, this has got to be bigger than us and we've got to go reach out to somebody that doesn't know Jesus because the Bible says it's our job in Mark sixteen fifteen to go into all the world, am I leading my family? Am I leading my family if I don't pl- find a place to serve in the church or I don't give in the church? So men, you have to understand you have a responsibility biblically from a biblical worldview to take lead in your homes. You know the latest stat that comes out, they said that 85% of of couples that pick a new church, think about this one, the the wives or the moms are the ones that actually pick the new church today. So they tell us as pastors to design the websites, to design your flyers, to design your programs for the moms or the females of the house because they are actually the one leading the, 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 the husbands in which church they want to go. What does that tell you about the biblical worldview that's happening in culture today? It's telling us that we might have got something wrong. Men, it's our job to lead our homes. It's our job to lead our families. Again, not in the way of, of being a dictator. Not in the way of of domineering, but it's our way in a love to lay down our lives for our families as Christ did the church. Then the Bible says it's then the wife's turn. A lot of men say, well, my wife's not submitting, and I'll go, well, have you laid down your life? Well, they got to submit. Well, that's not the order in Scripture. The order in Scripture is that as your husband lays down his life as the head... And, 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 and lays his life down, then, then it's the wife's job to submit to her husband and partner with him to pursue God's will for their life. And then kids. How many kids we got in the room? Here's what Ephesians 6.1 says. It gives the role of the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So I, I, I have a, a couple lessons for kids in here if you're a teenager in this room. I'll give you the, the example of when you do not have to obey your parents. We call it the in the Lord clause. So if your parents tell you to go drink and do drugs, you can tell them no and you can disobey them. Why? Because it's the in the Lord clause. If anybody in authority over me asks me to do something that is contrary to the word of God, they lose their right to have authority over me because this is the final authority of my life. Ephesians 6 and 1. I just gave you a 60-second dissertation on a biblical value, listen to me, that is being attacked. Men are told to go sit in the corner, be effeminate, don't have any opinions. And then most men in the church or in the kingdom of God. Listen to me. We've become so negative. We've become so negative that if we're not careful, we will cause so much dissension in our family That by the time that we get our hearts right, it will be too late oftentimes for our our wives and our kids to follow our lead. I had this personal moment about 15 years ago in ministry. I was sitting around a table uh, back at my home church. And we were sitting around eating breakfast with about three or four guys. And one by one, each guy at the table was talking bad about the pastor. Talking bad about... um, a, a strategy or something that he was doing or something that he was saying. And, and one by one they came, and I just want you to know I didn't say anything. And I had this moment where I was like a drone outside of, my, outside of the table, and I can look down, and I, me and the Lord were having a conversation. And I, and I said to the Lord, Can you believe what these people are saying? And the Lord said, You're sitting there. You're sitting there. I came home, the Lord convicted me. I came home, and I told my wife, and I said, Um, me as the man of this house, I felt like I have to go to another level of supporting the house that God's called me to. And I I feel like the Lord asked me, he's not gonna ask you to do this, but the Lord asked me that when my pastor got up with one of his wild dreams or one of his wild goals that I was just gonna say yes and try to help. And wouldn't it be that the stupidest idea that he's ever came up with (laughs) was the moment that I said, I'm gonna say yes to whatever he says. I mean, it was the dumbest thing. It was like, and this is how it was, it was given to me. Hey, my, my 10-year-old uh, son, uh, DJ Baker at the time, came to me and said, why don't we have a youth center and a Lord's Gym? It was a weightlifting um, gym for kids, that, football teams that would come. And he said, I, it wasn't like, thus saith the Lord. It was like, why, my son asked me, why can't we do that? And I remember in this moment going, we are going to invest $250,000 in a youth center based upon a request from a 10-year-old and the Lord just asked me to say yes to like, like handling it and doing it. It was the oddest thing. And I'm not saying that you guys will ever do that. I'm just saying this is what the Lord asked me to do. And my wife will tell you, we kicked our tail for about 12 to 15 months. We ended up raising $250,000. And we open up this Lord's Gym in downtown Vacaville. And countless teenagers' lives were changed for the glory of God. Because someone said Yes. And it still makes me mad that I had to say yes. (laughs) I wanted to be the man that was like, no, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Men, in your home, it is far better for your kids to see you striving in the church and saying yes to things than it is for you to find yourself criticizing all the things that are not going right. It reminds me of the story I heard about being men, being leaders of the home. Gabriel was up in heaven and there was at the end of the age all the believers were standing in line waiting to get to heaven and Gabriel appears and he says I want all the men to form two lines one line will be for the men who were the true head of their households and the other line will be for the ones who were the men who were dominated by their wives Gabriel continued and said and now we need all the women to go report to Mary and Martha on the other side of the gate and the women left Real, the men hurriedly, and the men formed two lines. And the line of men who were dominated by their wives was seemingly unending. It went forever, you know, because when you get to heaven, you got to be honest, right? And Gabriel... Oh, and, and the line where the men were the true head of their household just had one man standing in it. Gabriel said to the first line, You men ought, have ought to be ashamed of yourselves. You were appointed to be the heads of your households, and you have not fulfilled your purpose Of all of you, there is only one man who is obeyed. And then Gabriel turned to the lone man and asked, How did you come to be the only person in this line? And the man said, My wife told me to stand here. (laughs) Us men know, huh? We ain't no dummies. You must know that you are living according to some set of rules, either defined or not defined, regardless of your conviction. Everyone chooses something or some way to follow. It's what we call a personal worldview. You're sitting at Parkway Christian Center this morning, the first Sunday in November, and maybe you don't even have a proper understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit or the tangible presence of God in your life, but I came to tell you this morning, the presence of God in a believer's life is a difference maker. And if you will start every day, your morning, waking up and saying, Lord, I just want you to be part of my life. That invitation allows the Holy Spirit to come into your life and do some incredible things. I believe that the church should have a biblical worldview. It's based upon the infallible Word of God. See, when you believe that the Bible is entirely true, then you allow it to be the foundation of everything that you say and do. George Barna of the Barna Research Group was curious as to how many Christians actually have a biblical worldview. He uh, composed seven or eight questions, and he uh, gave this survey to the Christians in America. And here's the questions one, and you can answer yes or no as I read through these questions Do you believe that absolute moral truths exist? Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Is God the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Is Satan real? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? George Barna asked this to the Christian pop evangelical Christian population in America and only 9% of born-again believers said yes to those questions but what's more important than your yes to these questions is really whether your life shows it we recognize that all sinners fall short but most of our gut reactions will reflect what deep down honest to goodness believe to be real and true Colossians 2 and 8 says that we must be aware of people who will try and delude the transforming gospel. The moment that I make sin acceptable from the pulpit is the moment that I delude the transforming power of the gospel. If I begin to say, your addiction is okay and everyone understands, the moment that I as a pastor begin to say that everyone, everyone has issues and everyone has addictions and everyone, and though though that might be true on the face value, the moment that I say that, I, I cut out scriptures scriptures that say if you add these things to your life you will be a person that will never stumble so do i do i have a biblical world but do you believe as a christian that you can get to a place to where with your maturity and faith and relationship in jesus you can get to the place and like first peter says where you can get to a place where you never stumble so what we've done is we've watered down and diluted the gospel that's been preached in america so that everyone becomes a victim and not a victor Do you realize, sir, that you can have a marriage that wins? That's void of pornography and void of addiction. That's void of those things in your life that are causing generational curses to flow from your life. Do do you realize, ma'am, wife, you can actually support your husband and not devalue your position or place because the Word of God says that that we are are wonderfully, all of us, created with a unique purpose. That we have the ability as as believers in the body of Christ... To stand on this word of God, and the church does not have to lose any longer, but the church can win. Here's the truth from this pastor this morning, that you cannot just, you have the ability not just to know the words of the Bible, but the author of the words of those Bibles. His presence is a difference maker in my life. First thing that you have to know about his presence this morning as I wind down to the end. His presence is special. Exodus chapter 3 tells about an encounter that Moses had with the presence of God. And Moses heard this phrase from the Lord for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. His presence in my life is special. It is so special. Do you understand how special it is? But his presence in our life also requires that he has our attention. 1 Kings chapter 19 tells the story in, of Elijah and God asks Elijah and I felt like I was supposed to ask our church this question this morning what are you doing here? Like what is church to you? What is your biblical value to you? What, what are you chasing after? And, and God asked Elijah the same question and there was this incredible example of what happened. There was this great and strong wind that tore the mountains, but the Bible says the Lord was not in the wind. And then there was this great earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then there was this great fire, but the Bible says the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire came the sound of a low whisper, and God was in the whisper. There are so many distractions in American culture that keep us from focusing on the whisper of God in our life. This pastor wants you to know that if you want his presence to be in your life, it's going to require your attention. The Spirit of God, I believe, is asking a similar question to his church today What are you doing here? What is your intention? Is it just to know me? Or just about me? Do you want to know him this morning? And here's why his presence is so important in our lives. Because thirdly, his presence brings joy. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. What does it say? In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Listen to me. Not just half joy. Not just three quarters joy. Listen to me. Not just joy when everything's going good. But there is fullness of joy. That joy, that it doesn't matter what you face in life, you can have joy if you're in His presence. What an incredible promise. I believe that His presence should be our priority. Here's what Psalm 63, verses 1 through 3, says about His presence Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I will seek you, for my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for your presence. Listen to this one, in a dry and weary land where there is no water, I will have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, or in other words, in a land that is full of of dry and desolate places, in your presence, I will find refuge. Here's what Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. His presence brings wisdom. Listen to this one found in Jeremiah 33 and 3. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I don't know about you, but raising kids in this day and age, I need wisdom from the Holy Ghost. I need wisdom from the presence of God. I need wisdom to raise up strong men who are going to be men of God in a world where everyone else is cowering. I need the presence of God that brings wisdom. And His presence... Is not just in me, but I believe his presence surrounds me. John 15 and 5 says this I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. In other words, his presence is before me, it's behind me, it abides in me, I abide in it, it surrounds me. The Bible says, In him we live. And in Him we move, and in Him we have our being. His presence is a difference maker in our life. His presence, you have to know this morning, is available. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 reads this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, What does it say? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. His presence is available to you. His presence, it purifies. James 4 and 8 says this, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands you sinners, and purify your hearts, those of you that are double-minded. Listen to this next one. His presence removes mountains in my life. Listen to what Psalms 97 and 5 says. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord. I know many of you have walked into this church this morning facing mountains that you do not know how you are going to face. I've got good news for you. In the presence of God, those mountains, the Bible says, they melt like wax before you. His presence creates a desire for more of him and less of me. Listen to what Psalms 27 and 4 says. One thing that I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of my days, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Brooke, would you come back to the keyboard this morning? I believe that his presence, it goes before us, beside us, above us, and in front of us. Exodus 33 and 15 says this, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. I believe one of the greatest tragedies that's found in scripture is what Jacob said about the presence of God. Genesis 28 and 16, Jacob awoke from a sleep, Jacob's ladder, and here's what he said. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Never let it be said of the people of God that he was here, and we weren't even aware. Just to go to church, just to go through the motions, just to go through the hustle and bustle of life, to experience the thunder, the earthquake, and the fire, but not know that he was there. What an empty Christian life. I felt like as I was diving into this sermon series for this month of November, I felt like there was gonna be an invitation in our personal lives to open up to the person of the Holy Spirit and his presence like never before. Jacob's response was incredible. Here's what he says. I never, with his actions, here's what he says, I never want to be at a place where I did not know that he was there, so I'm going to make this place the place where God meets with me in my life, a gateway to his presence. I am going to live eyes wide open That there is a person of God, the Holy Spirit, that wants his presence to reside with me and in me. So, back to the question this morning What are you doing here? Are you here for him? Are you here for his presence? Are you here for his person? You're here this morning, and I know that there's in a the size of a crowd this room. Maybe you're looking online. Maybe one day you'll look online, and, and this sermon's gonna be just for you right at this time. If your marriage is in trouble, if you need prodigals to come home, if you need healing in your body, if you need rest for your soul, if you need a peace that passes all understanding, the answer is found in His presence. Because when you find the presence of God, you will find the person of God. I want to have you, just for the next few moments, make a commitment before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to leave this place without your presence going with me. Would you stand to your feet all across this room? Heavenly Father, I have done the best I know how to do with the word that you've given me your presence is a difference maker in our lives and just before we head out those doors we want to open the door to you for your presence to be a part of our life father as I scan the audience this morning I I recognize that Wayne Brown needs your presence in that hospital room that that Jan needed your presence so she had surgery several weeks ago. Father, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for Misty Holtzgall, Father, that needed your presence as she was getting in that motorcycle accident. Your presence is what we desire. Father, there are so many also unnamed prayer requests, but Father, there are mountains nonetheless, and mountains named or unnamed melt like wax before your presence. And so Father, we invite your presence in this room. I don't know what it is that you need this morning, but the answer is found in the presence of God and He's available. If you have a mountain this morning, you have a sickness in your body, you've got something going on in your marriage with your children, your finances, I don't know what it is, but if you, if you need mountains to melt like wax before you and you're willing to invite the presence of the Lord to come into your life, would you just stretch out both of your hands in this room? I got my, my hands raised. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come in just these final few moments that we have. Father your presence is what we desire your person is what we desire it is a difference maker the presence of god Brooke, would you lead us just one or two times hallelujah A few moments, I'm going to dismiss you that way. Those of you that have plans or need to leave, it was so good having each and every one of you here. But there are some of us that this morning have an appointment with His presence. This pastor will never apologize for giving people an opportunity to respond to the voice of God that comes in a congregational worship moment. Uh, You can have as much or as little of God's presence as you desire. He's a perfect gentleman. But this morning, as I was praying for this moment, there are people underneath the sound of my voice. You've got mountains that you're facing. There are things that man can do, but then there are only things that God can do. And with God, all things are possible. And I don't know what your story is today. I don't know if it's a a drug that you're addicted to. I don't know if it's pornography that God wants out of your life. I don't know if it's gossip. I don't know if it's sickness in your body. I don't even know if some of you are like me in this room where I just need a drink from his presence. Like to go through church and just check a box and to say, God, I've done it. That's not the kind of relationship that I'm seeking after. I want to know him. And I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. But I don't know where you're at. These altars, there's nothing special about them other, other than that they're a place where we can come and tell our flesh to shut up. Like flesh, you don't win anymore. And I'm gonna take a step of faith in front of my family and I'm gonna come down to an altar. And I'm gonna say, Lord, I need you. I need you to, to do things in my life that only you can do. And Lord, I, I'm getting rid of all the distractions. I'm getting. I'm, I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to put my thoughts, and I'm going to hold them in captivity. And I am going to have. Listen to me, a Coram Deo moment with you, a face to face with God moment. You do realize that's available to you this morning. You can have a moment with Him this morning. You can have a moment to where, in a moment with Him, everything changes. Everything can change in just a moment of His presence. Young person, if you've never experienced the tangible presence of God, and you want to know God for yourself. Listen to me. God has no grandchildren. Just because your mom and dad know God doesn't mean that you know God. And if you want to know God, there's a place down here at an altar where you can meet with Him. But this morning, I want to give opportunity. And I, I want you to know this, this. You can consider this if you need to be dismissed, to be your dismissal. This pastor loves you. I'm so glad that you're at church. This week when you go, pursue His presence. Pursue the presence of God. It is a difference maker in your life. And we will see you next Sunday. But for those of you that are ready to go to a deeper place in Him, these altars are open. I just want you to know His presence is a difference maker. And I want to lay hands on you. If there's a need that you have in your life where you need someone to agree with you in faith, not in doubt, but in faith, I want you to know I want to pray for you. We We have leaders and elders and board members that are going to come pray for you. God's presence is what we're after this morning. Heavenly Father, the rest of this moment is yours. We give you permission
1: to dwell amongst your people. Would you come forward if you want to?